I think we'll probably put out some cookies and then we're ha we're hanging out with our friends. So that's pretty much all. Well, that's very good. Well, you just have a good time. Yes, Are sir. Are you still a believer in Santa? Yes, sir. Because it's seven, it's marching, all right? Yes, sir. Elliker, catcher, you guys say well, hi to Mr. President. Enjoy yourself. Hi. Where are you from? I'm from... You're in. You just moved to Columbia, South Carolina. I just moved to Columbia, South Carolina. South Carolina. Well, honey, happy Christmas. And you just take care of yourself and say hello to your family. Okay, say hello to everybody. Yes, sir. This is the last episode of The Plunge for 2018. I'm Dan Spaventa, and our Washington correspondent, like you are literally the White House correspondent of this podcast, uh, is Sam Wagstaff. <laughs> and Sam, the government is shut down. How are the people taking it? Dude, it, the shutdown fucking rules. There's nobody on the metro in the morning. There's nobody in my office during the day. Uh, there's definitely a constant flurry of emails of like people freaking out because I guess what the International Trade Administration or some bullshit is closed and they can't file something or other. But honestly, smooth ass sailing for me. I'm I'm big fan of the shutdown. Do you think the lanyards freak out about this? Like the nerds? I mean, they do. The thing I think about with the lanyards, though, is that, I mean, I'll, if you get furloughed without pay, I'm like, damn, you're kind of, especially if you're on a government salary, I'm like, you are kind of fucked. So, I mean, for them, to, for anyone who's furloughed without pay, I, I can understand the freak out. And, uh, you know, it's shitty that people are denied paychecks this time of year. But for your your average, like, lanyard who just, like, cares about it from, a, you know, I guess, we this used to be a country of norms you know anything from that perspective i don't really care about and especially considering it's over the like border wall funding oh yeah come on i mean there's no coming to the center on that i mean if the government's got to stay closed that so we don't have a border it's all good with me well sam i don't know we have chuck schumer who is perfectly willing to compromise on that funding wasn't he the one who was like, oh, we'll start only at like a couple billion or something? Right. And then people got pissed. Yeah. He's like, we'll, we'll start the bidding at like $2 billion for the wall. <laughs> cool. So it's just out of nowhere, he'll like offer you $2 billion. But uh, I'll tell you something else that hangs out, happens out of nowhere, is uh, Trump telling your kids basically that Santa's not real. So. I believe that this child ended up calling Trump because she called like the Santa tracker people and they were putting some kids through to actually talk to the president. And as we heard in the beginning of the show, yeah, he, uh, I mean, okay. Would a seven year old know the word marginal? Is that, is that, uh, is that in the vocabulary? No, and the kid didn't know what he meant when he said it. Uh, the The kid said afterwards that she didn't know what he meant by that's very marginal. And also, he's not really using it in like any kind of normal way. He's saying what there's a only a marginal amount of what seven year olds who still believe in Santa Claus or something. But that's not really clear from the way he speaks because Trump just says whatever comes to his pudding brain. Yeah, he's just barely human. 
So that's the real war on Christmas is, you know, Trump won't let your child maintain the illusion of Santa Claus, which is ostensibly the point of the bizarre, like, military tracker of Santa that makes up his location at any given time. Yes, and important to note, the government shutdown did not shut down the Santa tracker, thank God. Yeah, it's like that and CBP. It's no problem. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, let's let's go into something grotesque in a different way. Roll the clip. We wish you a Muller Christmas. We wish you a Muller Christmas. We wish you a Muller Christmas and impeachment next year. Indictments will come to you and your kin. Indictments for Christmas and impeachment next year. We wish you a Muller Christmas. We wish you a Muller Christmas. We wish you a Muller Christmas and impeachment next year. Subpoenas galore for all of Trump's men. Indictments for Christmas and impeachment next year. Bring forth the grand juries. Bring forth the grand juries. Now bring forth the grand jury and bring them all year. We know you're in bed with Putin. We know you're in bed with Putin. We know you're in bed with Putin because your treason is clear. Your treason is clear. Sam, I think Christmas is canceled. If there's not already an ongoing war on Christmas, then let us declare it. If it means we don't have to hear this shit anymore. Literally singing what to the Trump administration that like Mueller is going to indict them or something. These are to me equally as disturbing as the posts that Crank T. Nelson was sharing on Twitter of the QAnon people on Christmas and they're like pictures of their sad lone meals. Yes. <laughs> like there is a certain level that, and you know, it's been said many times the Mueller fetishization is like QAnon for liberals to give liberals some credit. I don't think your average MSNBC liberal is quite as deranged as to believe in like the thornier aspects of like QAnon or be susceptible to that. But it's the same sort of idea. It's the same idea that like, actually everything's fine. Like all this chaos is just a distraction and this one guy is going to save all of us and everything will go back to normal. Like, the QAnon people think it's Trump and th- these... They also think it's Mueller. Co- yeah, they think it's Mueller. They think they're going to team up. Like, That's both true. sides love Mueller for some reason, which is... I mean, once again, I think we've developed on this show a little bit of a theory of the, you know, re- reverse horseshoe politics where... Really, obviously, like the center right and the center left are way more similar to one another. Like Trump people and Hillary people are weirdly similar to one another. The members of this video are like real. I mean, they call themselves patriots in the resistance. It's true. (laughs) Like Scott Dworkin. That guy's such a dweeb. Oh man, he is the worst. Because uh, obviously, like all these people from this cursed organization did this video, and uh, his verse is by far the worst. He sounds like he's reading it off of like a teleprompter on his deathbed. <laughs> like, we wish you a merry Christmas. We're dropping that in right here. Okay. 
We wish you a mother Christmas. We wish you a mother Christmas. We wish you a mother Christmas and impeachment next year. A slightly less disturbing video. No, honestly, I can't even. I'm not going with that bit. This this video was more disturbing than we wish you a Mueller Christmas. <laughs> I, I uh, let's play like a little bit of it. I know what you want. Oh, sure, they may have tried to separate us, but what we have is too strong. It's too powerful. I mean, after all, we shared everything, you and I. I told you my deepest, darkest secrets. I showed you exactly what people are capable of. I shocked you with my honesty, but mostly I challenged you and made you think. So by now you've probably heard that Kevin Spacey, after over a year away from public life, after uh, revelations that he had sexually assaulted or harassed many uh, younger men and he posted a message after that original story came out on social media saying that he was coming out as gay publicly but not quite addressing the allegations uh, against him directly and he has returned after over a year with this very bizarre video, Sam. What is your read on this video? Because I just watched it in full for the first time. I'd only really seen like parts of it uh, when it just dropped. But this is a very disturbing, like, uh, what do you think he's trying to do here? Clearly, okay, so this video, it's called Let Me Be Frank. And he mentions a lot of times like art imitating life. I mean, if you and I have learned nothing else these past years, it's that in life and art, nothing should be off the table. We weren't afraid, not of what we said, not of what we did, and we're still not afraid. It's not meant to be... uh, People are reading it as like, oh, he's reprising his role as Frank Underwood, or, oh, he's confessing about his role in these, and he's challenging somebody or something. I think he's doing this like weird artistic statement of like mixing the fictionalized elements of his character, what Frank Underwood from House of Cards, with his own impropriety, as if it's like a compelling, I guess, like mixture. Does that make sense to Uh, you? Um, To make him like this, it's almost a Trumpian move, really. Yes, I I think it kind of plays to what Trump does in that Trump basically acts like TV is real life because for him it kind of is. Uh, like uh, He's a celebrity first and foremost. He thinks that everyone on Fox and Friends you know, is actually a friend of his, but we know that he, he, you know, they did have a sort of weird relationship with him, but he has a better claim to that than anyone else watching Fox and Friends probably. Like your average Fox News grandpa is not going to be able to call these people up or anything, whereas Trump has been able to do that for like years ostensibly. And for Trump, like TV is kind of real life because his life is played out on TV. He turns on the TV and it's him. So it's reasonable for him to think that way. And I feel like with Kevin Spacey, he's kind of calling back the image that most people associate him with now, like his role, but at the same time trying to transpose his character onto his own life as almost like a a justification, because he's like, you wanted to see how this played out, didn't you? So we're not done, no matter what anyone says. And besides, I know what you want. You want me back. 
it's kind of like like he's trying to make this statement and I mean, he's not alien to this kind of thing. We did see him do this heinous, like, coming out of the closet by way of, oh, I assaulted a bunch of, like, younger men. Um, I don't know. Like, it's it's bizarre. It's uncharted Me Too territory for sure. But, I mean, this is... And he keeps saying something that we've actually said on this show, which is like, you want me to come back, or, like, you wish it would all go away and stuff. I'm like, I think a lot of people do i think he's like actually talking to these weird latent emotions that people have and trying to manipulate them and that's the kind of thing we've talked about before uh, in the louis ck uh case as well which not that they're the same thing because none of these are the same thing but there is this desire i think if you look at the comments i think you'll see like there are people who want him back of course no, I mean, both of them, that's the commonality. Or, you know, we've, we've I guess, is the next installment on our beat of, you know, the rush to rehabilitate these people. But I'm sure plenty of people were like, oh, Frank Underwood's back. And this apparently has over 8 million views on YouTube already. I will say, though, I don't think that's necessarily good for Kevin Spacey. No, I mean... The general vibe I've gotten from browsing through uh, general, like, entertainment and public relations blogs is that this was a disaster whatever he thought it was going to do uh i think most people watching the video are just watching the uh, car crash right and to clarify i don't think this is like compelling art i'm not ex- trying to interpret it to <laughs> a way to celebrate it or anything like this is fucking disgusting i haven't really heard people try to deconstruct it other than to say like wow he's he's being frank underwood but i think Trying to get inside the psyche of someone who is connected to the Clintons, to this like global elite. He was on Jeffrey Epstein's plane in the flight logs. Um, Do you want to tell? I don't think we've ever mentioned that on the show. Do you want to just say like who that is? Yeah, he's this like multimillionaire. I think he might be a billionaire finance financier. He's a billionaire. He's a billionaire who in Miami had uh, basically like a sex mansion, and he would have just like 16 year olds and like younger children come and I guess give him massages that quickly turn sexual. And then they all over this, like the course of years, I mean, there was this massive uh, article about it in the Miami Herald that over three parts described the saga. And basically there were a bunch of like weirdly like good cops who had to go against detectives and like hire up attorneys and, you know, DAs and whatever to try to do the right thing and bring this guy to justice. But I mean, it was a very compelling read, but obviously at the end of the day, his money and his connection to, I mean, prominent attorneys like uh, what Alexander Acosta, the uh, current, I guess, department of labor secretary, I want to say under Trump um, was one of the attorneys who basically helped broker a deal and uh keep jeffrey epstein from getting the worst i mean he's obviously a registered sex offender now but it should have been much worse for him because he had like 60 to 80 to like what maybe 100 witnesses who were all basically pretty credible and described his the interior of his mansion and his master bathroom to a t i mean it was a this is a yeah. This is kind of the the this is taken off as like the real Pizza Gate in a way, in that it's not that far off to mark the mark to assume that elite rich people do disgusting sex acts, and that that is frequently visited upon younger people and chill even children. And a lot of Jeffrey Epstein's crimes occurred overseas in like island uh, mansions of his, and like on his plane. And Bill Clinton 
and Kevin Spacey and many other prominent people like Alan Dershowitz yes were on those flight logs and to wrap this segment up uh the news broke today that video exists of the assault in Massachusetts that Kevin Spacey is actually being uh, it seems like he is uh being charged with indecent assault and battery so yeah he uh, apparently bought like an 18 year old busboy in Nantucket like 10 drinks and was I guess like fondling him and then Ugh. the the guy ended up snapchatting this to his girlfriend not to, not as like content as you know a cry for help and um yeah, she, but yeah it's it is gross I mean he has this pattern of I guess I guess younger men who he feels like he has power over kind of a similar thing to what we were talking about with Epstein and this video that he put out, like, as Frank Underwood, uh, if that's not a veiled threat to I mean, anybody involved in prosecuting him, uh, I mean, that'd be surprising to me. I can't imagine what it would be like for a victim of Kevin Spacey to see this video. Like, that's fucking weird that you have this out here, given what you're accused of. I mean, that's the most heinous thing to me. I think it does seem come off as like a threat. If you're going to take it as a threat, then it's going to be a threat directed at the people who are trying to, you know, bring him to justice. And you will never, I mean, be as widely threatened as when you accuse a powerful man of, you know, sexual impropriety. Yeah, no matter what gender you are. For sure. Let's also just point out what really creeped me out was that he was wearing like a Santa apron or something. Yeah. And clearly trying to make it a holiday like themed video. What the fuck? Well, you said this to me on my birthday, which is Christmas Eve, and you're yeah. like, happy birthday. I said, happy birthday. It said the link. He's oh. wearing this, yeah, like fucked up Santa apron. He's washing dishes. This is clearly meant to be like he's at home and just delivering this. And yet he's reprising this like role and trying to appeal to this cachet of this character. And very fucking bizarre, clearly intentional, but the intent is only weird when you unpack it. But they don't even know where he lives. Like, he hasn't been spotted in public in over a year. Like, this is so weird. If he was on a movie set pretending to be, like, washing dishes at home, that would be the most fucking disturbing thing I can think of. I mean, it's already one of the most disturbing things I can think of. Truly a hallmark of the Me Too era. The fact that he got a professional crew to shoot this video oh. is so fucking weird. Yeah, imagine being like the the PA on this. This is a grip. <laughs> Just a young man trying to cut your teeth in the in the film industry. Oh, that that's a horror movie in the making, but uh Either way, we've beaten this to death. We should definitely move on to uh, another disgusting old man, Joe Biden. God, the king of crust. Um, let's let's just. I'm, I'm going to give you a direct quote from Joe Biden, Hell yeah. and I, I just feel like I have to read the the whole thing. So, President Pres Joe Bi Biden, 2020, the leading Beto. No, he's a leading contender at this time. Um, and honestly, I love the onion, but fuck the onion for what they have done to 
boost Joe Biden. Um, so he was talking to L.A. Times reporter Pat Morrison, and here's what he said. The younger generation now tells me how tough things are. Give me a break. No, no, I have no empathy for it. Give me a break. Because here's the deal, guys. We decided we were going to change the world, and we did. We did. We finished the civil rights movement in the first stage. The women's <laughs> movement came to be. So my message is get involved. There's no place to hide. What the fuck? Sorry, that was my interjection. You can go and you can make all the money in the world, but you can't build a wall high enough to keep the pollution out. You can't live where you can't not be diminished when your sister can't marry the man or the woman she loves. When you have a good friend being profiled, you can't escape this stuff. And so there's an old expression in my philosophy professor would always use from Plato. The penalty people face for not being involved in politics is being governed by people worse than themselves. It's wide open. Go out and change it. Ugh. That's just like, ugh. Hey, you, all you young people, back in my day. Do you know Joe Bil- Biden had to build the civil rights movement from his with his bare white hands? <laughs> yeah, can we, like... Joe Biden, champion of the women's movement. What? A horrible tactic to <laughs> appeal to millennials by basically saying, like, all of the things that you see as detrimental to your progress in uh, life that is sort of influenced by shit that that uh, Biden himself did. Maybe, maybe that's when he should realize that this is just, like, so fucking irritating like i I, again like biden is a year younger than bernie bernie is way more uh popular with millennials because he doesn't speak to them like a fucking like national review writer (laughs) yeah also he mixed it up by doing the classic like 18 year old thing which is including a quote from plato you're gonna tell people something that like your intro to philosophy professor told you when you were like what 19 years old or something like that this is very condescending and this is a man who is ostensibly trying to get lots of us to vote for his you know fucking septuagenarian ass uh but we should yeah i mean dan what do you think he did to piss us off uh i think we should look at this is a thing that people are doing these days is looking into people's policies and making decisions based on what those policies are. So let's look at, uh, let's look at Joe Biden's policies. Joe Biden. Um, he has directly influenced the ability of people to reduce their student debt through bankruptcy. Uh, so it's funny because this was a policy he supported as a Senator. So heinous that the Obama administration tried to repeal it at one point. <laughs> which he would also try to take credit for <laughs> so what do you think because it's weird that a senator from delaware which is basically like a corporate tax haven uh, it's yeah. <laughs> it's been uh widely documented how it's just kind of just where a lot of billionaires like dump their chest yeah like more than half of all corporations are incorporated in delaware because they have like lenient corporate laws or something yeah, and it's weird as someone who portrays himself as this like blue collar like champion of like Amtrak a- Joe. 
he is uh highly tied up with like the financial industry and uh this I don't know the fact that Joe Biden was directly responsible for the student loan crisis is <laughs> hilarious. Of course, but Dan, that's the third way. That's the way you get shit done. Um, that's the way the women's movement was born <laughs> was through compromising. You went to school. You got to pay for it. Yeah, why'd you go to school? You couldn't afford. <laughs> you should have gone to the dollar store school. Um, I mean, he also is. You know, talk about trying to attract people who the Democrats usually depend on. Um, Joe Biden put a ton of people in jail as a serious, like, tough on crime Democrat in the 90s. Uh, He was a he he played a huge role in the 1994 crime bill. And I mean, this was a big part of this kind of like Clinton era third way politics was, you know, we're going to be socially liberal on like two things, but extremely tough on crime, uh, you know, war hawks all the way. Like, this is what you get with like Joe Biden. It's like a tired game. Yeah. And uh, Jacobin Magazine's Bronco Marsetic wrote a really good series on Joe Biden and just his actual policies and history, like substantive things. And I want to just uh, pick out a section here where he talks about. Uh, In September of 1989, uh, George H.W. Bush delivered a speech outlining his national drug control strategy in which he called for harsher punishments for drug dealers, nearly $1.5 billion toward drug-related law enforcement, and more prisons, more jails, more courts, more prosecutors at every level throughout the country. At the time, the Heritage Foundation gushed that it constituted the largest increase in resources for law enforcement in the nation's history. And it's now remembered as a key moment in the escalation of the war on drugs. But for Joe Biden, it was a half measure. Quote, quite frankly, the president's plan is not tough enough, bold enough or imaginative enough to meet the crisis at hand. In a nutshell, the president's plan does not include enough police officers to catch the violent thugs. A racist dog whistle there. Enough prosecutors to convict them enough judges to sentence them or enough prison cells to put them away for a long time. And uh, that is in 1989 and yeah, led to uh, the crime bill and mass incarceration because that's third way Democrats, baby. I mean, that's a hallmark of like we've been mentioning, you know, third way or, you know, compromise new Democrats, the Clinton era. But, uh, because even with Bill Clinton himself, ostensibly, you know, the first black president, as Toni Morrison said, he frequently used these, like sort of like Joe Biden said, you know, violent thugs. He used these kinds of dog whistles to, I guess, convince the more moderate Democrat or Dem- Democrats that were more further to the right or, you know, Republicans that he thought he could swing over, I guess, he wanted to convince them that he was like a safe guy because their fear at this time of lib- of liberals or you know of the democrats is that they're they're soft on crime you know they want to give equal rights to everybody i mean still what they think today but either way it's just it's very incongruous given that 
you know, Joe Biden and Bill Clinton frequently call back to this past of like this cachet that they enjoy with, you know, black people or, you know, Joe Biden talking about how he was crucial in the women's movement and shit. I mean, talk about his participation in the women's movement. He opted not to call Clarence Thomas's three additional accusers during his confirmation hearing after Joe Biden ruthlessly like questioned Anita Hill during her testimony um, when Clarence Thomas was going to be confirmed on the Supreme Court. And today, in this day and age, you know, Joe Biden's out here saying things like, I believed Anita Hill, and it's wrong for for Brett Kavanaugh to have treated, you know, Christine Blasey Ford the way he did and stuff. And it, it's just like such a fucking naked lie. <laughs> And that combined with his just general like creepiness, which has been well documented and caught on video, it's just like it's weird how he's presented as this like woke daddy. Yeah, I mean, how many videos do you need of him like creepily touching women or kissing them? In one case, what straddling that like biker woman in that one photo? I mean, this guy's gonna make it like ten seconds into the Me Too era. I've definitely heard someone else make that joke before, so I don't want to act like I came up with it. But it's so true. And also, his record sucks on these sorts of issues anyway. He voted for the Defense of Marriage Act. He voted for Don't Ask, Don't Tell. Uh, I mean, in terms of national security, he voted for the Patriot Act. He, and in terms of posting Dan, our very art, he signed a letter to urge the Department of Justice to prosecute file sharers, and he sponsored a bill making it a felony to record internet radio. Hey, wait a minute! <laughs> Those are our inalienable rights. Yeah, seriously. I mean, come on! Like, who's you? This is that's also a relic of, I guess, like the early internet days when they were really, you know, the Napster days when they were like, They're, "Everything's gonna be free now." Oh my God! Yeah, Metallica squashed that one. <laughs> Thank God! I mean, they would—they never would have made any money in the '90s. Oh, not to mention uh, surveillance. Uh, he is a huge supporter of surveillance, uh, dating back to. Uh, the time of the Oklahoma City bombing, where I, I guess that was when they established the the idea of terrorism as a federal crime. Right. Very, I mean, he doesn't pretend to be, like, not old school, but, like, he is, man, I, his record sucks. Yeah, I mean, he's been in politics as a Democrat for so long. He... That one of the things with presidential candidates, when you're a senator or a former senator or a former legislator, you your record is up for scrutiny, and like the way you voted at the time is always brought up. So all of these bad votes, you know, all these people who voted for the Iraq War and shit like that, that's something that's on their record. That is a stain that can be brought up at any time. And honestly, if it, it does fucking matter, like yeah, and we know what's gonna. We, I lived through the Iraq War. I know that it was bad. So if I know that some guy out there trying to get my vote is like liable to start another one of these as the obama administration i will remind you did i mean there are open slave markets in libya currently because of the way the obama obama administration handled that particular country this is not out of the question we're not being unrealistic when we're saying that like joe biden is not a good fucking candidate because he's too far to the right and even if he wasn't like okay this dude is such a fucking gaff machine i mean not that it like totally matters given how bad his policy is i mean come on but... the, 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 the saying he was gonna beat trump up it's so ridiculous <laughs> 
Yeah, he also was, you know, clearly unqualified because he was like, oh, anyone could beat Trump. I'm like, you remember the last time someone said that? <laughs> Trump really, uh, he still won. But, I mean, he t- calls black people cats frequently. Like, like, hey, cats, like those cats over there or something. <laughs> Because he's like a racist old man from the 50s. I mean, he he's always joking about like South Asians owning convenience stores. Okay, like, would... what is this thing about like bragging about shit like this? Like he would brag, apparently he told anyone who would listen that he practically wrote the Patriot Act because it was so similar to his 1995 terrorism bill that I mentioned. That's so cool. I mean, but even, I mean, Obama was out here doing the same. He was like, well, when I was president, we uh, we drilled for a lot of oil and the bankers made a lot of money. And I'm like, well, that's why people are upset with you, dude. And so to hear Biden just completely dismiss the concerns of any of the millennials about student debt, about like, I, I don't know, what was the weird thing about like, you can make as much money as you want? Like, no, we can't. Yeah, that's the whole that's problem. The problem. I think what he was saying was like, oh, you're upset because there are no jobs available. Well, money's not everything, kids. I'm like, well, in the world that you set up, yes, it fucking is. <laughs> like, I can't eat without it. All right. Last thing on the Bidens. Um, I'm just looking at right now the People magazine story. Um Love After Pain, how Hunter Biden and his sister-in-law, Hallie, were really a team during Bo's cancer battle. So, look, do you know how much people talk about the Trumps right now in the family? Like, are we really ready to come to terms with the fact that Joe Biden's uh, son who passed away from cancer, that his widow is romantic? with his brother it's not great it's not a good look (laughs) i mean yeah like we said he's just not gonna survive like a viral presidency what if lara trump started dating donald jr it'd be weird right having said that the Trump family can also weather this, as we've seen. Like they, <laughs> they're bulletproof when it comes to this shit. They could be fucking like crocodiles in the street, and people would Trumpers would still be like, "That's my president," and he would his numbers would go up. I mean, it doesn't really affect him in the same way because he's not the same kind of. He's not like a serious like Joe Biden is supposed to be a serious politician, but he's a joke, and he's almost as big a joke of Trump. And it's gonna matter in his campaign in a way that it didn't matter under Trump's. And that'll do it for our Joe Biden segment. But I'd like to talk about not so much uh, the woman herself, but the conversation around Ruth Bader Ginsburg uh, returning to work 72 hours after surgery for lung cancer. From freestyle rapping. She was just rapping too much and got lung cancer. So what do you think about this endless energy like trying to like maximize your potential like oh i sleep three hours a night and i go on a run at 4 a.m every day like these silicon valley sort of like you know abuse your body in order to achieve maximum productivity that is all i've been reading out of this ruth bader ginsburg story i mean there's that but there's also i think this fetishization of like the the brave soldier uh 
she overcame and and there's this goddamn movie coming out at the same time like i keep seeing previews for it like notorious rbg is like i i mean it's not no there's a fiction movie oh really like well there's like yes with like actors and stuff no as like her in her younger years Yeah, I I don't know. I mean, this it's just this hero worship of these like political figures. I mean, the same thing with I think what McCain. It was like, oh, he he braved his bad health and his like dying dying brain to you know vote for healthcare or some vague thing. It, it's just a it's just a puff piece. It, it's like the you know news stories where it's like they saving a kitten from a tree or something. They're they're not. It's not serious. I I don't know. It's very like. But you shouldn't be encouraging people to go back to work 72 hours after lung cancer surgery that is like such an unrealistic possibility like you are teaching people to disregard their health uh yeah. in order to work right cuz for her i mean working is you know i don't know the work you do as a supreme court justice is you know i'm sure there's she has someone who can work on that for her or get it done either way i mean when it comes to these sorts of stories, I mean, the vast majority of people don't receive the same level of care that she does, or I mean, do the same. Like, if it was a, she was a construction worker, she wouldn't be running back to work after her lung surgery. You know, I, I don't know. It's it's very unrealistic and dumb because it is like this fantasy of you know th- this West Wing shit. Like your your fucking uh, your politicians are all just saints, and they're all just trying to do their very best for you. I feel great. <laughs> the people's will has sustained me. Did Hillary uh, faint on September 11th, or was it a body double? It was actually RBG wearing a Hillary mask. <laughs> so she could dunk on the haters. Hey. And to tie in this sort of fetishization of like Ruth Bader Ginsburg and like the sort of Washingtonian establishment... I think it's really interesting how the MSNBC like national security hacks are just absolutely shitting themselves over Trump's uh, I guess his his announcement like that he's pulling troops out of Syria and a lot of the troops out of Afghanistan as well which is fine. I mean, yeah, that's what Obama <laughs> said he was going to do. Yeah, I mean, wait a minute, like so you're telling me I should go vote for Democrats like Joe Biden when I mean they're gonna I mean at least on this one issue in this one moment I mean Trump's doing the right thing it's is that weird to say yeah and we are of the belief that it's kind of more bizarre that people like John McCain and George H.W. Bush voluntarily went to serve in wars just to kind of like have fun right because this has come up this idea that you know trump isn't a true public servant i mean you can look back he 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 was a draft dodger you know god forbid but yeah this story came out that uh from the new york times that uh, a a pair of daughters confirmed that their dad was a tenant of fred trump and i guess said that trump had uh bone spurs in order to appease his uh, trump's father right so that's honestly one of the most humanizing things i've heard about the man 
as uh, shitty as it is that less well-off people uh, wouldn't have that ability to just get a, a bullshit diagnosis of bone spurs, I kind of get it. To go to Vietnam is not a appealing proposition for anyone, but the fact that I guess people are posting that to like own Trump uh, combined right. with the just wall to wall like mad dog Mattis glorification going on on every TV channel. Yeah, that's been happening lately. They every time someone quits or gets fired who I actually hate, like Jeff Sessions or Mad Dog Mattis, everyone all of a sudden is upset that they quit. And by everyone, I mean like liberals, like people who ostensibly would think that they're opposed to Trump or opposed to the Republicans. And it is honestly bewildering, this idea that like, you know, people are saying that Mad Dog Mattis was an adult in the room and shit. I'm like, I mean, what is it, what does that word even mean after a certain point? Why do we care? I guess it's bad that you have people like John Bolton and all these terrible actors around, but I just kind of doubt that Mattis was like holding all this shit together that him leaving will literally mean nothing. So, I mean, everyone who's looking to these adults in the room when the definition of adult in the room is apparently like John Kelly or one of these fucking idiots. John Kelly, who was, I mean, we previously covered him getting into like a fist fight with Corey Lewandowski, like in the Oval Office or something. I mean, <laughs> the, these are not like adults. These are not real men. Um, the, I, I Everyone who's like looking for these people to be to temper Trump, like I, I don't think you're gonna get it. He purposely surrounds himself with like the most insane grifters and like psychotic people that he can find. And I just fail to see how ending the war in Afghanistan and Syria is a bad thing, or at least ending our involvement in it. Yeah, I mean, even Hillary Clinton chimed in to say that isolationism was, you know, bad and that it was she it limits us and stuff. And I was like, so are you saying that if I had voted for you, you would have kept this going? But the people who voted for Trump wound up getting rid of the war. Like, like I mean, we all know politics is a meaningless game at a certain level, but it's just it's just a little ridiculous. I mean, I think the Democrats need to differentiate themselves from the Republicans a little not bit and not be like the, you know, not be the, the war hawk party. They're not winning as many votes as I think they're winning from that strategy. I guess we are going to step into the pop culture corner now with a film that Sam saw and I didn't see yet. So I have plenty of questions. Right. I saw last night Vice. I mean, talking about Warhawks. What do you say? I want you to be my VP. I want you. You're my vice. Well, George, I, uh, I'm the CEO of a large company. And I have been Secretary of Defense. And I have been White House chief of staff the vice presidency is a mostly symbolic job uh -huh. however if we came to a uh, different understanding i can handle the more mundane jobs overseeing bureaucracy 
military, energy, and uh, foreign policy. Uh, this is a biopic, I guess, in a way, about Dick Cheney, the vice president under George W. Bush. I have a question to start off. Have you seen the Oliver Stone W no. about George W. Bush? I was thinking I need to watch that because I was thinking about how it's kind of there, there aren't very many, I guess, classic representations of like George Bush on film. Why there's James Adomian in Harold and Kumar Escape from Guantanamo <laughs> Bay, I believe. Oh, well, that is very good. <laughs> I forgot about that. Thanks for reminding me. What to you was Vice, like, what were the comparables, like, film-wise? Was it, like, the big short to take us a lot of humorous sort of liberties? Uh, Yeah, that was probably the worst part of it, I would say, is the... I guess the campy humor of it. They literally do a fake ending at one point. Um, it was a lot like the big short. I mean, even Steve Carell's in it. He's actually pretty... All the performances that you expect to be not that great are actually turned out to be really good. I mean, I, I think that Steve Carell did a great job as Donald Rumsfeld. Obviously, the standout was was Christian Bale as Dick Cheney, but it does a lot of the, the breaking the fourth wall. A lot of people... I think it, it was it, a lot of it didn't pay off as much as they thought it would. Obviously, this is kind of billed as like an entertainment movie as well as a, I guess, more informative movie about the real events. But they also go to show that they take they took some liberties because there's a lot of secrecy around Dick Cheney. I mean, they purged millions of emails, like tens of millions of emails from the time period in the lead up to the Iraq war, which this movie addresses. There is relatively scant source material for Dick Cheney and his dealings, a lot of which is in these backroom dealings that only someone like him who, you know, he was a, he started as a as a lanyard, as a staffer on on the hill, but eventually became a young chief of staff in the White House and and then I mean there's just not a lot of like channels that you would get an unvarnished source on him from. A lot of it is from his family. I mean, there's, I think the drama about his uh, daughter's favors in well, I think that's an interesting like counterpoint. It kind of humanizes the role. And I think that Christian Bale's, I guess, his, his rendition of Dick Cheney, his, you know, performance is really strong but the writing that he has to draw from is not as strong maybe and that's a little bit of a weakness in the film but definitely the the campiness of it was a little much i saw adam mckay believes that dick cheney is more evil than donald trump uh, or it has committed more like bad in the world than trump and i think that that's pretty much uh that's a pretty good opinion. I That was one of the main reasons, or one of the things that he said that made me want to see the movie a lot was, obviously, this, with the subject matter, I was going to see it. But, I mean, I th agree with that statement as of yet. Obviously, like, Trump could nuke uh, Russia or, or, or a country or something in the near future, and I would have to change my opinion. It, it is maybe better to appraise the president afterwards, but... I think that people have forgotten and people ignored at the time, which is a sort of a thesis of the movie that we can unpack. People ignored at the time that 
what the government was doing was so dastardly and evil and, I mean, blatantly illegal. All this Russia stuff is rich because Dick Cheney, as this movie lays out, laid a lot of precedent for this idea, or at least advanced and helped put into practice the idea that the executive branch of the United States can and should take as much power as possible, which honestly even Obama did to a degree. I guess another interesting thing about Adam McKay is he has a good understanding of comedy clearly because he directed like Anchorman and Step Brothers and he has pivoted to these sort of dramas but I don't know it, it seems like a very odd movie to get made uh, and I wonder I wonder if the subject matter I just wonder if like there's any desire to relive that time when people are so worn down by this current era no, I mean, this movie has been divisive with critics and audiences alike. Its scores are not great on you know the the review aggregators out there. But I think it is a it's a it's a challenging film in a weird way. It's not as I don't think it's as good as the big short, but uh, it's I guess a I think it has more of an agenda. It's. I think the thesis of the movie is that it's trying to shake you awake from like a delusion in a way. I think I really would have liked if I was this movie if I was like 13 because it's, you know, this is a good movie if you think that calling people sheeple is, you know, reasonable uh, or something like that. But there are a lot of times where the jokes turn dark and the idea is that like Dick Cheney is something we all have to come to terms with. But some audiences I think have seen that as an accusation of them and there is kind of a monologue that dick cheney delivers and where it's taken from a lot of his direct quotes but he says like you wanted me to do all this bad stuff after 9-11 you were happy that i did it you chose this which i think he in the movie it's met metaphorically but at the time i was like you did just go into previously how you stole the 2000 election like you like the you know american people legitimately didn't choose dick cheney or george bush and the idea of choosing someone in that direct way for presidency is kind of you know i think it's a tenuous idea at best your free will in that decision but there is a there's this accusatory to, tone of the movie as if like you are somehow responsible for Dick Cheney or you allowed him to happen and I think that's kind of has its it's mixed but it's also clearly geared I think towards people our age who li- remember the Bush years but either weren't old enough to know about it or like most people didn't ask that many questions about what Bush was doing after 9-11 and I-, I think that's maybe a noble goal if that is his goal does the movie reflect the world around Cheney like how the media really gave them like a, a, a red carpet to start a war it goes a step farther and actually sort of argues that dick cheney was like responsible for it which there are things you can point to in that he was part of the movement to make things like fox news be as prevalent as they are or to kind of alter our media landscape but there are also things he can't really take credit for uh, i don't think dick cheney saw the internet coming as quickly maybe as some other as uh I guess he should have, or I don't know. I think that it tries to argue that he created that more so than that he took advantage of it. Although it does go into obviously how the Bush administration took advantage of literally like linguistic chicanery coming up with ideas like 
the enemy combatant who is not a U.S. citizen or a prisoner of war, so you can treat them like a sack of potatoes or like a dead body. The movie does go into some of the, I guess, legal theorists who are feeding him like legal snake oil, like David Addington and uh, Antonin Scalia, who told him about the unitary executive theory. And I mean, it takes a lot of liberties, but at the end of the day, I guess... There was maybe something missing in the idea, but maybe that's a different movie. I guess the idea of like the story of Fox News and Roger Ailes, who does make a, an appearance in this. And there are several uh, movies in development about Roger Ailes. But what is the argument over the credits scene? Yeah, this is kind of something I was uh, alluding to with the reception that this movie is kind of accusatory or, you know, points the finger at average people. But which I I don't think it does, but it the the scene is that a focus group, which is referenced earlier, I guess, because they talk about how the Bush administration focus grouped, I guess, you know, linguistic chicanery they're going to pull about 9-11 or the war on terror. And um, it's the same focus group. It's kind of like one of their breaking the fall, fourth wall moments where I guess a liberal and a conservative get like argue about the movie Vice and the, then they devolve into kind of, you know, the liberal calls the guy a Cheeto lover. And then the, I guess the Trump guy calls the liberal like, a you know, some kind of basic slur these days. But um, watching the focus group apparently is like a, a younger person who says something to the tune of like, I don't care about this. I want to watch Fast and the Furious. It looks lit. And it's supposedly this like indictment of, you know, millennials or like average people being more interested in something like Fast and the Furious than politics. But I will say that earlier in the movie, it does have a similar scene, but it expressly makes the point that people are tired from working long ass hours, which something that like Dick Cheney and, you know, Donald Rumsfeld and these other ghouls are partly responsible for. And it excuses the fact that people are sometimes frivolous and like pop culture by, by mentioning that people are work hard and don't want to necessarily think about how evil, powerful people are like ruining their lives and killing hundreds of thousands of people. Based on what you've said, I think that like the movie that he made that makes sense, maybe like as a post credit scene, but I don't know. I am less excited about it than when I first saw the picture of Christian Bale in the grotesque uh, fat suit. Let me say this. I mean, the movie depends on Christian Bale's performance. It's like the centerpiece. He's he's really good. I mean, it's it's pretty uncanny. He really gets like the snivelly kind of like angry, like jittery, like rage that Dick Cheney has. Well, Sam, you are quite the moviegoer this Christmas week and also took in uh, Hollywood's best and brightest, Jason Momoa. Yeah, the Aquaman. <laughs> My father was a lighthouse keeper. My mother was a queen. But life has a way of bringing people together. Could unite our worlds one day. Check it out. Arthur is talking to the fish. They made me what I am. 
look, I don't want to talk about this for a long time, but what the what what did this movie make you feel? This movie made me feel really fucking dumb. I could feel my brain cells like being eaten and atrophying as like literally sharks are like growling at one another. They have lasers on top of their head. It's it's very low wattage. It's basically the plots of like a bunch of other superhero movies put into underwater and I mean, Jason Momoa is just a joke. There's one scene where he like literally like benches a sub, like he just like swims upward and pushes like a nuclear submarine to the surface. Then he jumps in and like beats everybody up, and then he gives like a smirk, which he does a lot in this movie because he's he's treated the way like female hot women are treated in movies where he's not objectification. He's objectified, which is I guess that's kind of cool, but he just like gives a smirk and goes like he could barely keep from laughing he says like permission to come aboard all right if that's what we're dealing with here it's very low wattage well i'd like to recommend a couple of documentaries that i watched uh in the last couple of weeks oh s- smart boy college boy here too good for aquaman yeah you know what i am too good for aquaman i don't do dc <laughs> and i rarely do marvel <laughs> no but uh the uh, two that I want to recommend. I think both are made by A and E, but the other one I think was released like theatrically. But I just rented it on something. Um, it's Roger Ailes Divide and Conquer. So this was a biography of Roger Ailes, and it interviewed all these former Fox News personalities, uh, including a very smug Glenn Beck. Talking about how he like got out of the the game, and it's funny because uh, I guess since this interview was shot, he has come out as like a red hat Trumper, but um, it, it it provided some of that context that maybe Vice needs of like uh, this man Roger Ailes really like sought to create this divisive media machine. Um, mostly out of uh rage uh but i think uh anyone interested in media in the last 20 years would absolutely uh uh enjoy this documentary and another one similar is the clinton affair which is a six episode series on a and e uh also documentary where monica Lewinsky participates completely and you hear the story, I guess, that I thought I knew, but I didn't really know, of Linda Tripp, of Monica Lewinsky, of J- Janet Reno. There's all these like figures <laughs> of the Monica Lewinsky scandal. And w- one thing I realized was something that I guess I didn't really need to hear because I already felt it, but fuck Bill Clinton. It's true, folks. Uh, so, yeah, the Clinton affair, if you want to be really mad at Bill Clinton and honestly see how transparently fake the Hillary Clinton like feminist persona is, watch this because she uh, does not present well in her attacks on Monica Lewinsky and uh, others. Yeah, it's always the weirdest thing that these liberal third way icons have just like the most fucked up past, you know, Bill Clinton and Joe Biden, too. 
And finally, we have to just quickly talk about Jordan Peele's trailer for Us, the follow-up to Get Out. And I really fucking hate this uh, tendency of people to connect Get Out and this, uh, the tendency to pretend everything is a fucking franchise and not that Jordan Peele is actually just making original films. <laughs> Wait, so you mean that there's not going to be like an end credit sequence that uh, sets up 12 more movies? Although I did like the part when people lined up the two titles and it's like Get Out of the U.S. And I was like, whoa. <laughs> Damn. Whoa. Stay woke, man. But... Yeah, the movie looks amazing. It's got Lupita Nyong'o as seems to be the main character, uh, along with her family. And I mean, what what did you what'd you make of it? I think it looks just like a cool ass uh, horror movie. Jordan Peele assigned the cast required viewing, which included Dead Again, The Shining, The Babadook. Um, it follows a tale of two sisters, the birds, funny games, which slaps martyrs, let the right one in and the sixth sense. I mean, he's drawn, he, he's, I think similar to get out. He's clear about a lot of his influences, but he's going to mix it together and also put a completely different perspective on it. And it's going to be amazing. I mean, uh, we should probably go into the plot a little bit. The plot is that, uh, the family, you know, the father played by Winston Duke, uh, mother played by Lupita Nyong'o, as you said, and their two children go on a on a trip to the beach. And then they were, are stalked by, I guess, kind of like, you know, the strangers or uh, your next sort of like home invasion people. But they turn out to be themselves like doppelgangers. And it was so creepy when the particularly the shot of them coming up the driveway. <laughs> oh yeah, no, the the it's it looks like it's going to be great. I think it's hopefully going to be maybe more of like a st- straight ahead horror movie than Get Out was, which had elements of horror, but you know, the horror heads like were complaining that it was mo- uh, more of a thriller or something, you know. Everybody gets caught up on genres, but I I think it looks like a cool movie. I uh, totally agree, and it's very cool that Tim Heidecker is uh, <laughs> main character in there. I was going to mention, yeah, some of the supporting ca- cast is, includes Elizabeth Boss, Yaya Abdul-Mateen II, and uh, Tim Heidecker, which is cool. I mean, making the jump over to dra- dramatic roles. Well-deserved. He's, he's an extremely talented dude. Yeah, he's hilarious. Let's do story time at this moment. I am going to disclose the multiple injuries I've had in the last few weeks. <laughs> this is news to me also. I just saw you put this in the document, and uh, I got right. concerned after the fact, so I hope everything turns out okay. Oh, no, I'm fine. <laughs> Not to alarm you, but... Uh, so, uh, Sam, as you know, uh, after we finished recording our last episode, I <laughs> tripped and <laughs> fell down the stairs and injured my rotator cuff which is something to do with the shoulder and the arm. And uh, I went to an orthopedist and all that. It was just like, so I, I, I kind of just like tripped uh, with like socks on like a, 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 a slick wooden floor and fell down like six steps on my left arm. And it, it is still like weeks later, just, uh, you know, not perfect. That's not great. 
but you know it, it's uh, it's getting better. That's good. But it was pretty funny though. <laughs> Just like to, I mean, like, am I infirm? Like, why why would I like 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 falling down the stairs? Just seems like a very elderly sort of action. I think it's it's kind of dangerous. I think the listeners are also not familiar with the fact that your house has a, a large number of armed wars. Did you crash into an armed <laughs> war on your trip down? <laughs> no, no, I uh, I didn't. I I like roll. I rolled myself past one so I could sit up <laughs> and catch my breath. But this was at like midnight. I guarantee if I had been there, I would have just been laughing and done literally oh, yeah. nothing helpful. So, oh, yeah. Probably better that you were on your own than having Rabbit's me around. Nice. So, th- this, the other injury that is, this is breaking news to Sam. Um, I was, let's just say, attacked. <laughs> no, it wasn't an attack. I tried to pet a chihuahua on Christmas Eve, and it bit my hand and <laughs> broke. It like left like a very deep gash. How, how are you feeling? Like emasculated over falling down the stairs, but not by getting bit by a chihuahua. I don't know. I, it was nice to me in the kitchen. I was at a uh, Christmas Eve event with some old friends, and uh, you know it was late. I'd had a few drinks. I I you know didn't gather that the dog might have a a a biting uh you know tendency and uh you know i was like oh hey you know i put my hand very close and uh, too much too fast i guess did it break the skin were you like oh yes yes (laughs) did it like were you like punctured by the yes i was punctured i was bleeding (laughs) sorry yes damn Wait, wait It was on your hand. Where on your hand are, are any like fingers? my right thumb? Right thumb. Your right thumb is like affected. Damn. It's not infected. Not infected. It's affected. There's a scabbed up. Uh, uh you know, there, there's a part that's like a deep uh, slit in the thumb there. <laughs> and the person didn't warn you that the dog was gonna like. No, they they you. were like kind of saying it as I was going to pet it that oh, he okay. was being a little like you know like that so Damn. i don't blame them at all it was it was fine i'm not like i'm not upset about it it was just like kind of funny it was just like like we uh, two weeks after just eating it on the steps <laughs> just mauled by a chihuahua you have the most like first world injuries of anyone <laughs> oh i fell down the steps and <laughs> like got bitten by a small dog breed Damn. Well, hopefully nothing befalls you in the next coming days. Um, maybe this is because of, uh, you know, this is like Santa giving you coal for your war on Christmas. I have been a bit of a Grinch this year. <laughs> and God, I-, I watched the Jim Carrey version, part of it on Christmas Day. Awful. That shit. No, it is so fucking good. Oh, good. Nah. Ugh. Watch it's on Netflix. Give it a chance, folks. It's a great movie. Jim Carrey in his prime. I think it's just so grotesque, like the particular makeup they made for him. Oh god, and Jeffrey Tambor, his like nose is hideous. <laughs> yeah, it just haunts my mind. And the fact that they 
marginally rebooted it what like 12 years later maybe in the present day is so bizarre too it's like spider-man also, like, Cum- cumberbatch come on i get literally like plays a- everyone now I get making like a nineteenth Spider-Man movie, but like Cumberbatch is the Grinch. It doesn't really make sense. Yeah. Uh, maybe we'll get like a into the Grinchiverse soon, a la into the Spider-Verse. Uh, I would totally go see that. Um, yes, that's the plunge, everyone. Uh, can you people please, please leave a five-star rating on your podcast app so we can get some more. Uh, ears on this show um if you don't dan will throw himself off another flight of stairs yeah this time will be it will be two flights of stairs and And i will hit the arm war yeah i will saw my legs off in this sort of like (laughs) las vegas magician stunt i thought it was like 127 hours sort of thing (laughs) i think i'd have a little more class than that james franco hot take um, follow me on Twitter at Spaventacular. That's at S-P-A-V-E-N-T-A-C-U-L-A-R. And uh, Sam, uh, what else? I mean, you can find me on Twitter at Wagstank, W-A-G-S-T-A-N-K. Um, I mean, we, we covered a lot of ground here. We retread some of the Bush years talking about Vice. Trump is now an anti-war icon. Which is disturbing, to say the least. But, uh, you know, honestly, anyone who is anti-war, it's, I mean, that's good, right? <laughs> it's better than the reverse. Um, and, <laughs> of course, we all know that this is just because Trump's brain is pudding. I mean, you saw how he, what, apparently, like, revealed the location of Navy SEALs over Christmas or shit. Yeah, he like shared a video of some Navy SEALs on uh yeah, on his trip to Iraq where he like revealed their location. So cool. <laughs> he looks like such a fucking like big baby with that like stupid navy jacket. Yeah, how does it make him look wider only? <laughs> it looks like he's like getting wider but not taller, so it's almost like his it's a weird crop of a photo. Yeah, it's like when you stretch a photo just horizontally. <laughs> I don't know what's happening to his body, but we've covered Trump's body on this show before. I mean, we know that it's, it's, it's there's nothing good going on there. So, to end, Sam, uh, in 2019, we know Trump's body will be expanding. <laughs> Any other predictions for 2019? Uh, in 2019, Robert M- Mueller will rain down from the heavens with like the four horsemen of the impeachment and smite <laughs> Donald Trump from the earth. Uh- <laughs> I think Donald Trump Jr. will get arrested, maybe. That would be fun. That If that doesn't happen in 2019, is it even going to happen? If it doesn't happen in 2019, it's not worth it. I, I mean, it's been three years and supposedly, you know, the impeachment's been around the corner for this guy this whole damn time. This dude's going to like serve three terms before they actually serve him impeachment papers. Like, get get a move on, Mueller. Uh, you know, really do that investigation. I heard this on uh, Sam Cedar's Gear and Review show. With Alex Perrine, they talked about how Robert Mueller has to sort of walk the tightrope of charging the Trumps, but he can't reveal basically like how they're like 
obvious criminal enterprise was in power for so long without basically any scrutiny. Of course. And they will have to, like, charge him without, like, revealing all the, the full scope of it. Yeah. I, I mean, it's a situation. In 2019, I... I hope we don't get any more content from Kevin Spacey. I thought that we had put a pin in that in 2018, and uh, here we are with more Kevin Spacey content. Yeah, and uh, no more Joe Biden content, even though that's obviously uh, (laughs) not going to happen. All right, that'll do it. Uh, Good night and good luck. Get down.